0: Good afternoon everybody, good to see you here tonight and uh, always good as well for those who are checking uh, our service online, we praise God for that. I just want to thank those who put in a ton of work to try to improve the online service every week, it's it's a lot of work, you know, um, thank God for this whole entire tech team. Uh, I want to thank God for Dylan just continuing to lead and continuing to push it down. I got a call um, like a week ago from this, my mother's friend is a son out in Oklahoma. i never met him, but he was, he had, he's younger than me and he had an unexpected heart attack. And He's been following our ministry, which a bunch of people do that we don't know. He was watching a prayer service that we were broadcasting and administered to him. God brought him through. Amen. Amen. So I praise God that we can have such a a greater reach than just our our own immediate community but I also thank God that in our own immediate community when folks are not feeling well or they're in the struggle they can go and they can tune in and they can continue to somehow be a part of what's going on I know a lot of us have that story where we were in a bad spot and we got to go online and we started watching and God spoke to us so let's praise God for that let me pray for us as we enter into this word Father God, I pray that as we continue this series on God over money, oh God, would we learn that you love us and you want the best for us. You want us to thrive. You want us to to not live for things that don't matter. You you want us to not live for, for that which will actually ruin us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would know your joy. I pray we would know the happiness that comes in following you, that take, taking risks, being generous, managing what you gave us well so that we are able to be in a spot where we can be free, more free to serve you, God, I pray, Father, that you would continue to work this series deep into our souls. I pray, Lord, that as a direct result of us spending these five weeks preaching on money, God, that in the next six months, in the next year, a bunch of folks would have a bit better credit score, that we would have a little more in our savings account, that we would be a little bit better at giving. God, I just pray, Father, that there would be tangible freedom and change in our lives. Would you be over our money, we pray. Would you speak to us now in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. So we are coming to the end of a series we're calling God Over Money. And one of the things that I have been preaching, one of the things that I have been saying this whole entire time is that we want to be that church that, that helps all of our community to learn what it looks like to place God over their money just like we want to place God over every other aspect of our life, right? We don't want to be the church that just preaches and teaches you how to give and how to tithe. We want to be the church that, that, that goes into great depth and so that you are equipped to know how to manage what God has entrusted to you. And so we only have one more week left And I want to give you a little bit of an overview of what we have been talking about. We want you to go from surviving, sometimes not surviving, to thriving. Amen? And, And when we're learning to survive, we're learning that there's an order in which we need to work. There's an order in which we need to take care of things. And we need to secure food. We need to pay our utilities. We need to pay our rent. We need to have transportation, and there's a reason that it's in this order. It's in this order for a reason. Go back to that, yeah. I mean, you are not going to be too good to pay your light bill if you're starving, right? And that eviction is going to come slower than that light bill is going to get cut, right? And then you're not going to have your fridge, and there's this whole trickle-down thing where I want to teach you that there's a practical priority to how you survive. And sometimes we are just so busy surviving, we didn't receive this from our families. And now we ourselves have families and we have grown kids. And part of this learning to survive is also teaching our grown kids that they have to do these things on their own. This is what it means to be a parent, right? is to to give our kids the tools and to explain what it is that they are supposed to do and what they have to have a priority on as they're trying to survive. So that they're not in their 30s and 40s just living off of us. Not because we don't love them and maybe we have it hard and we just want to make sure that they're taken care of. But sometimes we're helping, we're hurting people more than we're helping them. We've got to teach, we've got to teach our children. We've got to prepare them to survive. Amen. And then as we're moving from um, surviving, we start to get to rise, right? We start to learn how to to rise. And the only way that we can do this is after we have taken care of all the essential things in their proper order, is that we have to begin to track every dollar of debt, every dollar of income, every dollar of expense. You will not know where your money is going if you don't track it. We, we can't fix a problem that we're too afraid to even look at. And I've been there, okay? I've been there. I know what it's like to, you know, go to the bank and go to the ATM. And I need 20 bucks or whatever. And what that little piece of paper prints out is a complete mystery to me. Whether it has a good amount, like, oh wow, like I didn't realize it was in there, or it's like you can't even get the $20 you wanted. But God wants us to budget, He wants us to track what comes in and out, He wants us to be a good manager of everything that He has given us. Amen. And then He wants to go from us to go from survival to rising to thriving. And God wants us to slow down and learn how credit works. You know, you're renting in one place, and maybe you apply to rent somewhere else, and you just miss the cutoff. God doesn't want you to just live in that just missing opportunities. There are things that you can do, there are things that you can do to improve your situation. And for many of us, and I know this from personal experience, Walking with folks in the community and in the church, we're not that far off. But there are certain steps we have to take. And if you want to move from survival to thriving, you got to learn how credit works, you got to learn how debt works, which debts are more urgent to pay than other debts. We need to learn how to increase income, and we need to start making plans making short-term plans like, I want to get a car. I want to move out of my folks' house. I want to do this or that. And long-term plans, which go together with God's plan for our money. Amen? And so that is the ultimate thriving, right? And that's the next slide. God has a financial plan. It's very clear in the Bible. Now, we might, just like I talked about last week, we might take this body and have sickness in our body and then die in this sick body, right? But when we get to heaven, we won't have this body anymore, amen? So financially, we might not reach these plans, but we don't want to be ignorant of what God would want for us. Like, you don't want to be ignorant with the fact that God actually wants you to be healthy, That you don't have to carry around with you this sentence of like, well, this is what God placed on me. I just accept it. And then now you're just living in that reality of sorrow. God has a plan for you. We might not reach every one of these plans in this life. But it's helpful to know the direction that God wants us to go, amen? And he wants As Paul tells us, right, in the book of Romans, oh, no, man. He wants you to have zero debt. That's so freeing. I know people that came up in the struggle. I wish this was my testimony. I pray it will be my testimony one day that I'll be able to stand before you and tell you this. But I know people that have come up in the struggle, have a lot of problems, right, had a lot of times where they were rising up and then life just swatted them down? Ever, you ever feel like you're in whack-a-mole and as soon as you start making progress, something else like the hammer comes down somewhere else? So I know people that, you know, their mom and dad didn't give them everything, but they are debt-free. They're debt-free because they were wise and they worked hard. Amen? You know, another thing that the Word of God shares with us all throughout is that it's a blessing to leave something to your children. You know, it might be a house. A lot of those things are intangible, right? How how you raise them, but it's an absolute blessing to be able to have something to hand over to your children. And it is the greatest blessing to be radically generous To come to the end of your life and to be like, we just kept, we didn't raise our standard of living, we raised our standard of giving. As God blessed us more and more, we were able to invest. And because of what we did, people came to Christ. People experienced healing. Folks who were hungry were fed. Those who were on the streets were welcomed in because of what we did. And we have no regrets And I promise you that when you die, you might regret the car you got. You might regret the latest app you downloaded on your phone. But you will not regret what you have given for those who are in need. And so this afternoon, I want to preach on this. I want to preach on generosity. But I do want to, um, before that, do a quick commercial. We have this webinar that we are doing we were going to do it last week, but with it being still Lent and all kinds of stuff in motion, we pushed it to April 13th. So Ed Robinson, I'm a, I'm a pastor. Um, like, I'm not going to pretend like I know how money works in extreme detail. But there are lots of questions that each one of us has. I do know the raggedy questions to ask. Amen. And I know the situations that we find ourselves in. So we're going to have this thing online. There's a really good friend of mine who has a real passion for helping people understand money. And so we're going to take these biblical principles, and then we're going to just dive in and go really specific. All right, how do we do this? All right, so that'll be online. It'll be recorded. We'll share you a link so that you can go watch it. Even if you're not on social media, you can go on YouTube and watch it, and it will help you. Amen. All right. So tonight we're talking about giving. So let's read from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. If you wouldn't mind, if you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Now, the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. No one had claimed that anything was his possessions. I'm sorry. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and Great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all of those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, The one whom the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may have a seat. When we think about giving, this passage is absolutely amazing. You know, we see in this passage, we see that that they shared everything that they had. Now, Now, get this. This is months after Jesus rose from the dead. There weren't that many Christians around, but they were close. God had been working. He had poured out his spirit. And most of the Christians that were around lived in Jerusalem. And they were, like, meeting from house to house. And they were worshiping. And the apostles were very much involved themselves the ones who had walked with jesus and saw him do all these miracles and saw him die and saw him rise again as we're gonna talk about next week right as we remember easter and my brothers and sisters we see that god's people are selling houses they're selling land. We see that it says that none of them were in need. And then we see this guy, Joseph, right? Kids home with me because that's my name. <laughs> Amen. We see this guy, Joseph, who's given a new name. And his new name is Son of Encouragement. And the church was at this vital point This point where it's kind of like we can relate to this, right? It's an upstart movement. We don't know which way it's going to go. We don't know if it'll be here in 10 years or not. Amen? And in that pivotal moment, this man Joseph comes and sells his home and just drops the money at the apostles' feet. And the people are encouraged to say, look, God is in this. God is in this. We now have the resources to continue to do what God has called us to do. So I wanted you to see, number one, that there were believers who had, amen, there were believers who had lands, who had homes, who had resources, and they sold those things. They gave willingly this was not something that was coerced. This was not something where they pressured them. <sighs> you know, generosity. Generosity doesn't cancel what we taught about being a good manager. It's actually how you fulfill that role of being a good manager of what God has given. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> generosity is not like putting... Like trash bags of cash in the dumpster saying we're gonna make a statement against capitalism or whatever. Generosity is about taking what God has given us and using it in a strategic way for the good of others and the glory of God. John Wesley, the great Methodist preacher or once preached, he said, earn all that you can, save all that you can. And give all that you can. Galatians 4.15 talks about this eye-gouging joy. Paul is talking to the Galatians and he's saying, listen, you guys know, like, you know, one thing we know about Paul is that he had a hard time writing and reading. He would have to look real close. Um, When he would sign his letters, it would be in really big letters and he would have people write things down for him and read things to him. And I need you to know that God can use you when you got disabilities. God can use you. You don't have to be 20 years old and full of health and just full of potential. God used old Paul in a prison with a disabl- disability to advance his kingdom. Amen? And, and uh, he says, listen, when I was with you in, in Galatia, when I was, when I was preaching, I you guys knew about my disability. You would have couched out your own eyes and given to me if that would help. <sighs> this is not the same joy that we have when we get a new Xbox X or the newest PlayStation. Or whatever it's called, right? And you played it for eight hours, and you're just like your eyes are glazed over, and you're just in a coma of like I just satisfied myself. (laughs) There's that. That's that's a certain kind of happiness. But the joy that Paul is talking about, the joy that Jesus talks about, where he says it's more blessed to give than receive is this eye-gouging joy, this joy where you would gladly be hurt for others to experience healing. And it's shaped after the ministry of Jesus, where Jesus hung on the cross and died for us that we might be saved. This is generosity. God was generous to all of mankind by offering his son for the world. And we are called into that generosity. We are called to also give. You know, this is nothing to do with that. I love, the, I love this little video, but this has nothing to do with the, you know, the interview with Bob Marley, right? Where it's like, are you a rich man? He's like, what's ri- rich? What is that? <laughs> this is not, I got Friends. I make music, I got weed, I don't need anything. This is Jesus telling his followers, sell your cloak and buy a sword. This is manage what you have because we are on a mission field. Manage what you have because there are casualties there is an opportunity for people to experience salvation the life we are living really matters and we don't approach it like let me just slide through it as comfortably as I can I remember when I sold uh, my 79 Gibson hummingbird which I which I received freely and I was able to take that and buy some Plane tickets, so we could go to Africa to be missionaries. Meanwhile, I get to Africa thinking, yeah, you know what? I gave, I gave something up, amen? And I did give something up. But then I meet my brothers and sisters who lost all their family and wandered in the jungle, saving who they could, and then left their family again to be trained in the ministry even when it took them out of their family for years. And so their wife, their kids, losing their father because there was a mission. Let's look at Wesley's sermon. Earn as much as you can. Save all that you can. Give all that you can. All of God's word is not forfeited it is fulfilled. We, we gave you like 20 verses. You remember? I posted them on Facebook. We read them last week. All these proverbs about how God doesn't want you to be lazy. God wants you to, to work hard and be a really good manager of everything that he has given you. And so, yeah, that's still God's word. That's still God's word. This word doesn't cancel that other word. Like, let me bring you back to what I'm saying this happened because people had things to give. God wants you to have things to give, amen? And then it talks about save. He says save, and by this, it's really not like what we think of, like build up your bank account as much as possible, but what uh, Wesley's message was is this. Be wise. When you, when, you, when you go to the store, when you have an opportunity to you know, shop one place. You could shop somewhere else. Like, be a good manager of God's money. Be thrifty. <laughs> like, don't just, and don't gamble your money away. Don't gamble your money, period. It is God's money that passes through your hands. It's not for you to gamble with. There is a way in which God blesses his people to earn more, and it is through work. And then he says, give all you can, all you can. You know, this is going to look different for every single person. But listen, I love Psalm 67 where the high priestly prayer from Deuteronomy 6 becomes the song and prayer of the entire nation. And so now the entire nation of Israel is kind of functioning like the high priest, amen? And they're saying, they're crying out, Oh, God, bless us and make your face to shine upon us. Why? That your ways may be known on all the earth. Why? Because we want the nations to sing for joy that you rule. This is amazing. The reason for your blessing, if whatever blessing it is, the reason for your blessing is for the knowledge of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Like everything that you have, everything that you have is for the good of our neighbors and the glory of God. But there's a warning. There is a warning in this. We're reading about these early Christians and how generous they were. How they had so much to give and they gave. I used to let jealousy mess me up. Looking at what other people had, I I used to think, well, why didn't God give that to me? As I got older and as I had more experiences, I learned the reality was that I would not have managed those things very well. I remember when I got my first car, it was a Volvo station wagon, 240 DL, six shift. And it was like a 1984 or something like that. (laughs) And um, I totaled it, running into a, a retaining wall. And one of the deacons from the church I went to worked for the Volvo dealer and I went to him. Um, we went to kind of a larger church, about five, 600 people. I, I went there. And he was able to take that car and he was able to yank the, the frame out <laughs> and, and do some repairs. But I remember what he told me. He said, you know, when you work for something, it's different than when something's given to you. You treat things differently that you worked really hard for than when it was given to you and I didn't really hear that I didn't have ears to hear that then (laughs) I'm just like yeah thanks for the hookup man I need to get back on the road (laughs) right (laughs) I I need to keep moving I got I, I won't be able to get to my job so just like help me out right now that's all I wanted to hear but he was absolutely right However much you have, or however little you have, God wants you to use it well. You know, some people, some of the most generous people on earth are those who have next to nothing. And that's just not like my experience, but that's been proven again and again through research. (laughs) Like people who just, they just have empathy. They know what it's like to be in the struggle. They open up their door. They, they, they open up their life and they offer. Um, I remember when I was working at the coffee beanery, I was the manager of this coffee shop. And people would come in and they were buying uh, six, $7 lattes, right? And they were going to the movies, which cost like $20. And I could just see on their faces some of the most miserable people <laughs> that you've ever seen walk the earth because they were late or whatever was going on in their life. They were just high-strung, had high expectations, full of stress, full of problems, and I just would teleport myself to a year before when I was 20 years old and I had the chance to serve in the largest slum in Africa called Kibera outside of Nairobi, and I was hanging out with people who didn't have plumbing, who didn't have electricity, and we would sit in their one-room house with dirt walls and... As you were sitting with the dirt walls, people were relieving themselves on the wall, right? It was disgusting. It was dark. It was hard. And there was joy. There was joy. And now I'm sitting there at this coffee shop, and people are stressed out of their minds, God wants us to have, but he doesn't want it to have us. He wants us to have, but he wants us to be generous. He wants us to have things, to work hard, and to have a better sense of credit and debt, and and know how money works, but he doesn't want us to be owned by money. He wants it to be that God himself is over our money, and not money is over our souls. Then we look at this second part, that none were in need. So the first part, some had, right? Some had, and God wants some to have, but none were in need. And I want you to hear this. God doesn't want anyone to be in need. See, it's all well and good to talk about good management and bad management of money, but this is where this conversation ends. When you're starving, when you're out in the cold, when you've got nothing to eat. Brothers and sisters, I, I got I got a motorcycle, right? I hope that I can get it running this spring. I, I've been troubleshooting, trying to get this thing moving again. But I've also got some money for when somebody is stuck at home and they can't get groceries and they're sit, sitting home stuck with COVID, right? And they can't go out. And if I had to choose between the two, the choice is easy. The, the, the bike will wait right? This is what I need you to hear. When God's people get together, it's not that everybody's wants were met. It's not that we cancel out God's hard-earned lessons, that when you work hard, you, you receive something good. All those things continue to remain and be, but we cannot turn our back on our own flesh and blood while they are sitting in a place that's cold without heat. They don't have food to eat, and they're struggling And this is not just something that applied in the first century. Now, in the first century, it was particularly difficult to live out because there was no welfare. There was no government checks. There was no safety net. And God still called them to take care of each other. Because when God's people met together, they called each other brother and sister. That was radical then household of Caesar calling a slave brother sister that's not something that was done we throw that out all the time right like hey brother hey sister but it meant something it meant like you're not going to call somebody you know your brother or your sister and then you're just going to turn your back on them while they starve and are cold and are struggling and out there we got to be the community. And i said this before. we got to be the community that teaches people how to fish, right? You know the saying, you teach a man to fish. They fish for a day, give him a fish. They get a fish for that day. But this is, this is what God has called us to. When someone gets to the point where they can't even think straight because they're starving, we give them one of the extra fish we have. Then we sit with them. And we show them how to hook the lures. And we show them slowly how to manage their money. We show them how to make a budget. But we first, we first go and we first we help out. Amen? We, we, don't, we, we don't make it conditional. We don't say, well, you're starving. Well, you'll starve tonight unless, you know what I mean, you do this budgeting thing. No, like we respond. And then we offer help. I need, you know, we, we got to be a community that is there for each other. Less than that is unbiblical, ungodly, and idolatrous. But, but, this is a big but, and we've got a, a, a slide for this. Our brokenness is deeper than our brokenness, <laughs> Right? You and I, the way we're broken is way deeper than the negative amount in our bank account, the lack of having a bank account at all, the the people we owe, whatever our financial situation is. We are broken in ways that are far more comprehensive than the ways we are broke financially. Amen? Amen. And they had the same problem 2,000 years ago. So while there is this stunning picture of the New Testament church where everybody's sharing out of their wealth and no one has need, we also know that there was this problem where people's brokenness went way beyond their brokenness and just adding money wasn't the answer. I, I think about Paul when he, when he counsels the church because they had a role of widows. And remember, there's no social security check. There's no disability check. And so the early church had a whole bunch of widows that they were taking care of, making sure they had somewhere to live and something to eat. And Paul says, wait, wait, wait now. Now, if, if these widows are younger, man, they need to try to get married. Right? Now, this is a very different context, right? Because back then, to, to be a woman outside of marriage would have been tough. would have been tough to just, I'm going to just do this thing on my own. He said, listen, we've got different kinds of widows. And we've got some who are busy in the church. They're, they're making meals and they're taking care of people as they come and they preach. And they're, they, they're, they're responding to the generosity of the church with, with good works, and then we got another group that, that, that just sort of, they go around and they spread rumors and gossip. And they, they kind of do nothing. And we're enabling them to live this kind of life. Let me tell you something that you might not want to hear. We live in a community where this is describing our community, right? Where do we hear tons of rumors? Where is folks just not working? Where are folks just kind of diving on the deep end? I've, I've talked about this before. God wants us to break and repent of this iniquity, this this way that we can get perverse, which is a spirit of bumness, for a lack of better terms, right? God doesn't want us to sit around, gossip, tell stories, sit around and just like receive a check when he gave us an ability to do more than that. He wants us to be a good manager of everything that we have. I mean, God wants more for us than that. So finally, we see that they gave generously. We see that they gave generously. And let, you know, let me warn, warn you about this expression, other ways to give. Jesus was very frank that your treasure, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where you put your money is a reflection of what you value. Every one of us is going to have to show our receipts to God. I just uh, spent uh, three hours last week reconciling the funds of our church, looking from January to March with a bookkeeper, looking at every single receipt, every single expense, why did we get this? Why did we get that? Jesus said that every idle word that we speak will not be forgotten. And it's true as well that every little thing we get at the corner store (laughs) will not be forgotten. We're going to have to show God the receipts. We're going to have to show God the receipts. We're going to have to show God the receipts of rent was 580. Liquor store was around the same. We're going to have to show the receipts, amen? Amen. And so God wants us to be good managers of our money, and he wants us to set us free. He wants to be over our money. And I know this is like the most difficult thing in the world for us. You know, it is. But I also want you to know that we don't have to look 2,000 years ago to see generosity. We have seen radical generosity in our church I have seen people open up their homes to other folks. I have seen people lend out their cars and then those cars get impounded and people get so entangled and so mixed up in the cobweb of other folks. And there's a part of that which is biblical and right. There's a part of that where you can't love people and shield yourself completely from some mess. When you walk into the life of someone who's struggling and their life is chaotic your life's gonna get a little chaotic as you move into their life. And I have seen some incredible generosity. I've seen people take their their, their refund, seen people take their stimulus, and just like, all right, I got your rent. I've seen that in this church. We have our own Barnabases. Let's give glory to God that it is true that God has saved us. And we might not have farms to sell and houses to sell, but I have seen people growing and giving. man. I've seen it. And I've seen in the last four months in our church, because the one area that our church has struggled with, the one area that our church has been behind on is that consistent giving, right, to the church, and I've seen in the last four months more people giving on a regular basis to the church than in the last three years. Let's praise God. Let's praise God, you know, and it has to be that way, because without the support, without that generosity, we won't continue, or we'll be so handcuffed That all the things that we want to do, that God is calling us to do, we won't have the funds to do it. So we have to grow in giving. Let me read for you from 2 Corinthians 8, 7. It says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also you excel in this grace of giving. Paul, Paul understood that we like to like open up Jesus to other parts of our life, right? Paul, Paul understood, God understands that, that like we'll come and we'll pack boxes and we'll come and we'll worship and we'll, we'll come and we'll, we'll get baptized and we'll do X, Y, and Z. But when you start talking about my money, now you've talked, you've reached my heart, and, and God wants you to grow in all these other areas. He wants you to be an encourager. He wants you to be a teacher. He wants you to learn how to pray for other folks. But he also wants you to grow in the grace of giving. It is a, it's a thing that we grow in. So I want you to see this. We've got a slide for this. There are different types of financial givers. And it's helpful to understand this so that you know what it means to grow in the grace of giving. How do you grow if you don't know what kind of giver I am and what would be the next thing that I'd be working on, right? And so for some, growth is, I have never trusted, I've had, and people have really good reasons, right? There's, church hurt is a real thing. Or maybe they got hurt by like some money they gave to somebody on TV, or maybe somebody really pressured them Or maybe they watched, like I watched my dad and my grandmother get those catalogs. And if they sent money, they were Catholic. If they sent money, they could get the bones and the ashes. And they spent a lot of money on holy water and a lot of money on stuff. And and we've got a a TV Protestant version of that too, where people are sending money for cloths and all this kind of stuff. And what I'm saying is, God wants you to, to give And so, some, the growth is to break the ice and be someone who gives for the first time. For others, you know, I gave once. Now, I need to give occasionally, right? Give the second time. And then for those who occasionally give, I I give whenever I come into a little bit extra that I didn't have. Now, God wants you to be a regular giver. That's what it would mean to grow in giving Not just here and there a few times a year when I get uh, some money, but I am putting aside a certain amount. And I'm giving it, and it's a habit. It's a discipline. And then there are those who are regular givers, and God wants you to become a tither. Right? Um, And we talk about this in membership class. We do not believe or preach in uh, the tithe as like a church tax, like the people were under in the days of Israel. (laughs) But it is certainly a biblical principle of a good place to start for what it looks like to be generous, to give 10% of what God has given you back to him. And then finally, all right, I'm a tither. How do I pray about growing and giving? Now, could you be like Barnabas? All right? I've seen people do this as well. I remember a guy in my church where I, where I became a Christian that he had this house in the mountains. And he read this book called Desiring God by John Piper. And we were in this prayer meeting together. And we were reading it together and studying it together. And he's like, okay, there was this chapter about you have that, that vacation home. Are you using it for the glory of God? And he realized, like, I don't really, like, make money from this. Where I can say that I'm taking the money and giving it to anything worthwhile. I don't use it very much. I just have it. And he said, I'm going to sell it. And he followed through. And he sold it. And he gave it all. And so God wants us to continue to grow in the garrisons of giving. And I just want you to know this as your pastor. If you're a member of the church, become a regular giver and start from there. Amen. That's what that means when you come up and you make that promise that I'm going to give my time, talents, treasures, my gifts. That's what that means. Start giving regularly if you haven't yet. And let God bless you. I've had college students who had no money give to us 7 dollars a month because that's all they had. I've had we we have people in debt to their eyeballs. I, I'm not telling you what to give but I'm saying that when you have something that you give that's a little bit and you give it every week, every month, however it is, when you give consistently, you put yourself in a spot where when God does begin to heal you financially, when, when God does begin to bless you, you've just learned the habit of giving. And so now you're free to give more. But when you say, oh, not in this season, I can't give right now, you'll get a little more, you'll still have a reason You'll always have a reason while it's not the season to give. And so I encourage you that there's always a season to give. And there's always a reason we can make up not to give. But God wants us to grow in the grace of giving. How can you grow in the grace of something that you're not doing at all? You can't. And so God wants us to get in the way of giving. You know... Next week is Easter Sunday. And we're going to close this sermon series on God over money. How can we preach this God over money series on Easter, right? It seems a little strange maybe. I think it's actually in God's good providence the best time to preach this message. Um, In the last 12 months... Money has become more real and less real to all of us in ways that none of us have ever experienced before. So many businesses have been just destroyed by the pandemic. So many people have lost their jobs. And yet also, so many have received enhanced unemployment or or, or, or checks that they received that they had never seen before. And it's a reminder, a rough reminder that God is over our money, that money is temporary. Not only have we lost massive amounts of money in the past year, a lot of us have lost people we love. And not just from COVID, Right? We've, we've had like seven funerals It's March. We're just at this church. So just because we're preaching on money doesn't mean that we're not going to preach on the resurrection. Brothers and sisters, money is temporary. There's hope greater than your money, and that's what we're going to preach about. And so I want to encourage you As we meet outside, as we meet at 10 o'clock and gather the whole town, have a big Easter egg hunt, and then have a service outside right on the river at Proprietor's Park, I want to encourage you to bring someone. Yes, I want you to invite a bunch of people. But there's a difference between sending a text, putting something on Facebook, and just generally inviting people and bringing them. You know what I mean, right? There are people like, oh, you're going to come with me. Really, I want you to come, and you're going to encourage them until they come we want to have people come out on sunday and we want to preach a hope that is greater than the hope of the pandemic greater than all the pain that we've been through greater than all the like money we've lost we want to invite our friends out we want to invite our family out you know i we 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 don't want to believe the lie of the golden rule that whoever makes the go- most gold makes the rules, right? We don't, we don't believe the lies that whoever dies with the most toys win. We, we believe what Jesus taught about, about money, and that sets us absolutely free. It sets us free whether we have a ton of it or none at all. So let's pray. Let's pray for our friends. Let's invite a whole bunch of them out, but let's bring somebody. Bring somebody next Easter Sunday as we conclude this series. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, help us to be generous givers. Help us to grow in the grace of giving. Um, help us to do it young. Um, we don't even have a steady job. Help us to do it when we're older and our income's fixed. Hel- help us to do it when we're taking care of so many people. Maybe we're taking care of kids and of our parents. And we're kind of stuck in the middle there. God, I just pray. Pray that we would know and we would believe that you love us and you, you just want us to grow in this thing. Um, that, that, that you're not rolling your eyes at us when we put in a dollar. You, you, you love us. So I just, I just pray, Father, that whatever it looks like, each person in this room, those who are watching online, it looks different for each one of us. But help us to grow in generosity. Help us to grow in giving. Help us to jump into the jet stream of your blessing. Help us to know what it is that when we give, there's a joy that we could never have by getting the newest thing from Best Buy. Help us to know the joy God, of you taking care of us. I can't tell you how many times I gave and then you provided to the very dollar what we thought we were going to be short. Lord, you are a better caretaker than we are of ourselves. Oh God, help us to look like Acts 4. Help us to be a community where nobody's in the cold, where nobody is starving, where nobody is struggling without anybody in their life. Oh, God, we pray, Father, that we would be that that beloved holy community where those who are a part of our family are taken care of, but not just taken care of so they can continue in a a brokenness that is so much deeper than their financial brokenness. But help us, Lord, to, to, to walk with each other, to help each other learn how to work and make budgets and be a manager of all that you've given us. Oh, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would be over our money in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.